You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations, you'll be smarter when you get there. What up? Welcome into Commute, the podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Jay. And we are about to take you on a deep dive on three topics that we find interesting, and we're betting that you might just find them interesting, too. We can promise you this, you'll be smarter when you get there. On this edition of Commute, what can rats and cobras teach us about unintended consequences? Turns out, a little more than you may think. For the last 40 years, he has uniquely been himself, writing and releasing parody songs ranging from Eminem to Michael Jackson. This week, we explore the staying power of Weird Al Yankovic. You've probably seen it before. The popular slogan, Keep Calm and Carry On, which has been molded to fit countless messages over the years. But did this slogan really have its roots in war propaganda? All of that on this edition of Commute. Let's get it. So, Dave, can you ever think of a time in your life where you tried to fix a problem that you had, but you ended up just making the problem way worse? Yeah, so I'm not super handy. That'll come as no surprise to you and our listeners. Uh, I've seen you with an open toolbox before. Yeah, it's like you might as well be staring into the human brain. (laughs) And a couple of years ago, I was trying to hang something in our kitchen, and uh, I got the nail on the wall and it went a little too far in the wall and it made a bigger hole than I intended for it to. So I thought, well, I'll just move the nail over to the side a little bit and I'll hang up this picture. No one will ever see it. Next thing you know, the hole is three times as big as it was before. (laughs) So I thought, I, I'm not going to patch this. I can fix this. Went for another hole, ended up putting a hole the size of my fist (laughs) In the wall. So, yeah, I tried to save that and ended up just totally ruining an entire wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say in your defense, you have gotten better in the years since. Uh, you know, you're a little yes. more level-headed, a little more handy with the tool belt. And, uh, Dave, we're going to talk a little bit about unintended consequences and uh, the term that scientists have uh, for unintended consequences. But I have to take you back a little bit to talk about, like, how this term came into being. We actually have to go back to 1897 first to find an example of this type of thing. So in 1897, Dave, the French governor of Vietnam had this vision for the capital city of Hanoi, and it was to kind of turn the city into this place of order and renovation, like one that could carry the banner for French ideals in Asia. So work initially began on this 14-kilometer underground modern sewer network and this attempt to modernize the city's infrastructure until this major problem arose. The tunnels beneath the cities were the perfect breeding grounds for rodents, and the city's population of rats just skyrocketed. So to deal with the issue, the French administration recruited a team of Vietnamese workers to serve as official rat hunters, and they went to work slaying thousands of rats, including a reported one single day total of 20,114 rats. But the problem just couldn't be reined in, though, and it seemed like for every rat killed, five more popped up in their place. So the colonial administration came up with a new plan. Let's put the population to work. So a proclamation was made that going forward, the city would pay a bounty of one cent per rat tail to any citizen of Hanoi. 
The administration cited the fact that this program could be a good way to encourage capitalist development and the spirit of entrepreneurship in Vietnam. And while it did that in a way, it also massively backfired. At first, it seemed to be a roaring success. Tales upon tales were turned in. The only issue, Dave, is that the rat problem just didn't seem to be getting better. So what was going on? The first clue came when French officials began noticing several rats running around with no tails. And Dave, it turned out Vietnamese citizens had concocted all sorts of ways to capitalize on the bounty from cutting off the tails of still live rats and then letting them go to continue breeding to smuggling rats into the city to straight up rat farm breeding them in their own homes to keep turning in a profit. The bounty system did really nothing except make the problem exponentially worse, leading to outbreaks of all sorts of diseases, like the bubonic plague outbreak in 1906. And psychologists have coined a name for this sort of scenario, when something designed to improve society ends up creating a bigger problem. They call it the cobra effect, which references a similar situation to the rat incident, in which British colonists in India attempted to cut down on the region's booming cobra population by offering a reward for dead cobras. This, as you would expect, led to even more cobras as citizens began breeding them for slaughter. And in the modern world, Dave, this effect can rear its head. In the UK, for example, at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, the government floated the idea of paying citizens 500 euros if they tested positive for COVID in an attempt to get people to test more often. This, obviously, from the outside perspective, could definitely backfire, right? As in, it, it totally encourages people to contract COVID on purpose. Good intentions are sometimes just that, just intentions. Linear thinking on ways to solve a problem, well, the unintended consequences of that sort of tunnel vision can exist in ways we don't even expect or realize. This is kind of like the whole... You give a man a fish, he can eat for a day. You teach a man to fish, he can eat forever. But the flaw with that is who wants to fish? Like, I think fishing <laughs> is maybe the most boring thing that exists. I mean, I think a lot of people like it. I don't think it's really for me, but I guess I understand the appeal. I think most people go just because they like kind of being alone in the silence. I don't really think it's as much about the fish. You don't really like the worms, though. You don't really want to, like, touch the worms. Yeah, I don't want to touch the worms. I definitely don't want to touch the fish. Some of those fish have nasty teeth. (laughs) Like, you ever seen somebody try to pull those fish off of there? Like, and I have sensitive skin. Like, I'm actually looking at my, (laughs) at a, I got a paper cut somehow on a finger. I have no idea how. Yeah, your your moisturizing routine, you know, it's not set up for a fisherman's life. Jay, are you? Or have you ever been a fan of a guy named Weird Al Yankovic? I don't know how you couldn't ever hear Weird Al and not just think it's awesome. Because he's been around for so long. I just have these like memories kind of throughout my life of, of his songs popping up. But the most clear one is just like being at summer camp back in, I think it was probably like middle school. It's been so long ago. And uh, people playing a Weird Al album. And the, one of the songs on it was his parody of Gangster's Paradise, which is called Amish Paradise. And I hear that song now, and all I can think about is Amish Paradise. You really are like an onion. Because I was sure that you were going to say you hated Weird Al. <laughs> I'm not as cynical as you know you kind of paint me out to Maybe me. Maybe that's it. Like the caricature that you have mirror. of me is really cynical, and I'm it's like, just, yeah. I'm, I'm not and that I'm wrong. cynical. Ex- please accept my apology. <laughs> 
But Jay, I'd assume most people really spanning the generations are at least familiar with Weird Al. Much like yourself, most people have some kind of moment where they had a relationship with a Weird Al song. If you're not familiar with him, he's pretty simple to explain, really. Weird Al takes popular songs and parodies them. Some of his most famous ones being the aforementioned by Jay, Amish Paradise, the parody of Coolio's Gangster's Paradise. There's White and Nerdy, the parody of Writing by Chameleonaire. And one of my personal favorites, Eat It, the parody of Michael Jackson's famous Beat It. And Jay, the lyrics to Eat It, if you've uh, never heard it before, kill me every time. <laughs> the, the chorus is, eat it, eat it, get yourself an egg and beat it. <laughs> it's art. It's, it's, it's art, art in its purest form. But Jay, Weird Al has been in the public eye a lot lately, believe it or not. Maybe more than ever. With the announcement and trailer of an upcoming movie about his life, titled Weird, The Al Yankovic Story. Starring, as Weird Al, Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe. So, Jay, how has an accordion-playing, self-described nerd who exclusively writes parodies of other people's songs stayed not only relevant over the past four decades, but maintained a certain level of popularity that spans generations? Jay, a feat that even the best comedians in the world rarely, if ever, pull off. Well, before we unpack that, let's briefly get to know a little bit more about Weird Al. Since airing his first comedy song in the mid-1970s, Alfred Weird Al Yankovic has sold nearly 15 million albums, recorded over 200 songs, and earned five Grammy Awards. And once again, all of this by taking popular songs and making them, depending on your sense of humor, of course, funny. And not only do the original artists allow him to do this to their songs, they cherish it. Many artists actually see it as a rite of passage that their song has become popular enough to be made fun of by Weird Al. While the fair use provisions of U.S. copyright law say that artists like Weird Al don't actually need permission to profit from a parody, Weird Al has made it a self-imposed requirement. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, Weird Al told the Washington Post. I don't want to be embroiled in any nastiness. That's not how I live my life. I like everybody to be in on the joke and be happy for my success. I take pains not to burn bridges. Some artists, Jay, like Don McLean, author of the legendary 70s song American Pie, my, my, Miss America, you know that one, admitted that Weird Al's parody lyrics from his song The Saga Begins about Star Wars He admitted that Weird Al's lyrics, get this, they sometimes enter his mind when he's playing his own song at concerts. (laughs) While a few artists like Paul McCartney and the rapper Eminem have denied Weird Al their blessing to parody certain songs, only one artist has outright denied Weird Al from his entire catalog. Any guesses? Uh, my, the first thing that popped into my head was Bono, just because he seems like he'd be. <laughs> I, I just feel like he probably hasn't asked Bono because there's no U2 song good enough to parody. <laughs> uh, but Prince, Prince denied Weird Al access to the Prince catalog. So, Jay, how has Weird Al done it? How has he stayed relevant for all these years? Well, for starters, and Don McLean tipped us off, Weird Al is really, really good at what he does. 
Whether or not you find it funny, there's no denying that he is catchy. In fact, Lin-Manuel Miranda of the musical Hamilton fame credits Weird Al with some of the lyrical composition to the hit songs on Hamilton. Jay, more so than the talent for writing, and Weird Al has proudly written and come up with the ideas for all of his songs on his own, except for one. Madonna herself came up with the idea and title of the parody song for her hit, Like a Virgin, the Weird Al approved Like a Surgeon. (laughs) <laughs> but more so than the talent for Weird Al is the rare hyper self-awareness that he possesses. Gregory Paul Silber of the comicsbeat.com put it this way when describing Weird Al. In an age where so many entertainers, especially comedians, throw hissy fits about a perceived cancel culture, Al has always been willing to evolve, including recognizing his own missteps. When Vulture magazine asked several comedians about the jokes that they most regretted, in Al's case, it was his use of the word midget in the 1980s, which is now considered a slur. He explained that some comics make it their thing never to apologize for anything. And as we are seeing today, some politicians are the same. If I feel like I did something that I'm sorry for, of course I'm going to apologize. I mean, we all make mistakes, and sometimes I've done things I shouldn't have done. And sometimes you have to call yourself out on things. And Jay, while there are countless articles written about both how funny some people find Weird Al and how unfunny others do, perhaps his staying power most comes from his authenticity. An unapologetic nerd, Weird Al isn't trying to be cool. He's really just trying to be himself. What I love about Weird Al is there will never be another one of him because he just kind of pops at the right time where... He entered this culture, got in close with the artists, like got to this point where it's like this ultimate celebrity status. You know, there's people doing parodies on social media and stuff all the time. But the idea of somebody kind of making it their living and then just like rising to this incredible fame, that just won't happen again. So David slowed down a little bit, I think, recently, but definitely like five to ten years ago. There was this influx in the phrase, keep calm and carry on, on like pretty much everything. And it would kind of be like retooled and then put on stuff. And um, what are your thoughts on the uh, keep calm and carry on movement? This is one of those things that like for a second, it's interesting. And then you realize that almost like you remember when Napoleon Dynamite came out? Yeah. And everyone had vote for Pedro shirts. Right. So it went from interesting and funny to Wow, that's annoying. I feel like keep calm and whatever became that really quickly. It went from, oh, that's kind of interesting to, okay. Yeah. yeah right. because we, became, we see you librarians keep calm and read books. It just, yeah, it just became a template to just say what you want to say, right, for like everyone. Uh, and it's been retooled, that keep calm and carry on motto. Uh, it's been retooled thousands of times. And for the last decade, you could find variations of it everywhere from paraphernalia for any sports team, as in like keep calm and go Yankees, to basically every political campaign, as in keep calm and vote for fill in the blank. The template has gone from that into the straight up bizarre, 
from in theory supporting victims of natural disasters such as keep calm and survive the floods to those related to global warfare such as keep calm and fight isis (laughs) 10 years ago (laughs) was a weird time there really is no escaping it it's on t-shirts it's all over the internet it's on billboards the template is capable of really saying anything you want to say but its origins actually go back pretty far Although the Keep Calm and Carry On poster wasn't mass-produced until 2008, it was originally designed in 1939 in Great Britain. 1939 Great Britain was a time of intense anxiety in the country as the Nazi invasion of Europe was gaining steam and aerial bombardments of Britain had begun to prepare for a full German invasion of the island. The British government knew how desperate the situation was as anxiety rose amongst an ever-likely Nazi ground invasion and the Ministry of Information was tasked with developing messages to keep the British calm and ready to stand against the Germans. It was within this space that the poster first appeared as a message of propaganda to encourage calmness in the face of chaos. From there, though, Dave, the 2.5 million printed posters never actually take the next step into production. Social researchers actually suggested that the poster would anger British citizens. I mean, think about being really angry or upset and someone tells you to calm down. That probably isn't the best course of action. The British government evidently opted to save these posters for a possible Nazi occupation of Britain instead. It was there that at least one box of the posters sat unused until evidently a bookstore started selling them from their inventory years later, sometime around the year 2000. The poster, while it was sort of a British regional thing initially, did evolve from there into a symbol of nationalism, harking back to the Battle of Britain in which the British repelled the first Nazi invasion of their country. The phrase in a way captured that sort of like put your head down and go forward mentality embodied during that time, one that Winston Churchill famously called Britain's finest hour. New life emerged for the poster as its popularity surged, particularly during the 2008 financial crisis, by the Ministry of Information to encourage British citizens not to panic withdraw their money from banks and keep spending to keep the economy afloat. It was in this time that at some point, the merchandise started and the template crossed the oceans and spread out to the world. The template was in the public domain at this point, which obviously helped as anyone could just print anything on it. What also helped it spread was the fact that it quickly became a joke. People turned it into memes and tried to pass off versions of it as serious that really weren't. Next came brands capitalizing on it, and the t-shirts, the mugs, the posters, the bumper stickers all began to flow. The image is all over Britain as well, sort of like, in a way, a national slogan of sorts at this point. But Dave, although now you can pretty much find the image everywhere, sometimes the origins of these types of phrases and styles can be kind of surprising. Okay, so what's worse? It's like your birthday or Christmas or something, and you get a gift. And the person is really excited for you to open it. And you open it up. Which of these items would be harder for you to pretend like you're excited about? Okay, the first one is a shirt that says, keep calm and love social studies, because you're a social studies teacher. <laughs> so they think it's like, oh, cool gift, Jay, I love this. Or it's a, you're a Green Bay Packers fan, or it's a Green Bay Packers jersey that's number one, and it's Sisson on the back that somebody's customized it to your your last name. Well, I'm I'm not good at faking it uh, anyway at all. Um, but man, the jersey, like the thought of just man, this costs a lot of money to make, and so I'm going to feel more obligated to wear it, and just sort of like doing the math of like 
I'm gonna have to wear this around this person. That would that would definitely like be all over my face. And what's worse with the jersey? Like if they make it like it's a sissing jersey, like you're part of the team, or they put J on the <laughs> The last name's worse because it's almost like you're taking yourself seriously as a football player. You know, at least it, like at least if it's your first name, it's kind of self-aware on some level. I apologize if anybody out there is currently wearing a jersey with your own last name on the back. Yeah, unless you're on the team, let's just uh, unless you're on, unless you're on the team. Let's just keep it the just team shirts, you know. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Commute on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on your favorite podcast network. We're on social. Check us out. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always say what up at our website, commutethepodcast.com. Music for Commute is provided by my main man, Jason Sammons. For Jason, and I'm Dave Trump. We'll see you next week. So when I was in junior high, um, I was on the basketball team, and every time we had a basketball game, it was like a big deal. You wore your jersey to school. I, I don't know why. It's just a kid thing. So we would all wear our jerseys to school, and that had to stop at a certain point. And I was part of the reason why it had to stop, because at lunch, I got macaroni and cheese all over the jersey. And then you have to play it at that night. <laughs> like, you can't go home and wash it. The game is right after school. So I had to play with cheese all over. Imagine, like, you're guarding a guy. Like, it'd be so easy to get in his head. He could just be like, hey, mac and cheese, mac and cheese, check it out. Of the- oh, you're going to get under the basket?